Hello there, and welcome to a uh, another yet unorthodox episode of Barely Living the Dream. Um, my name is Mel House, and so far I'm the only one here because, um, well, this week we had planned to do, or I mean, there was a tentative plan to do another rep episode as usual because um, we kind of started falling in the rhythm, but. Um, Strangely enough, both myself and Chris um, have been contacted out of the blue, um, separately and independently of each other, for some really, really awesome opportunities on some bigger stuff. Um, So we're kind of, in a way, scrambling to sort of figure that out and make it work. Uh, I'm actually in the car, again, on the way to a undisclosed location, hopefully in the in the uh, forthcoming weeks, I can disclose the location and kind of talk completely about everything that's going on. It's fairly exciting. Um, but yeah, some stuff middle starting around the middle of the week, stuff started to get pretty crazy. So um, we're scrambling a little bit, and it's just understandably been hard to coordinate a recording session around all this other stuff going on. So. Um, but I didn't want to have a dark week necessarily. I mean, there's a couple of like little snippet, um, snippet sort of uh, episodes that we have in the in the in the vault, and they're but they're not really whole episodes in and of themselves. So I think what I'm going to try to do actually is uh, I do have you know while I travel around and figure things out this weekend um, and before Chris flies out first thing in the morning. I do have a, um, a little time to try to assemble something. So I think I'm, uh, this is going to be my first attempt at doing sort of a, I guess a more produced quote unquote version of the podcast, which when I say that, you know, think maybe, I don't know, like this American life or radio lab, as opposed to, you know, sitting down and talking for an hour, you know? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot at that and maybe talk about some, uh, try to touch on some interesting topics, but still sort of save the, I want to save the main thing that's going on right now, the main things going on right now for later on. Um, but, uh, hopefully, you know, this will work out and I hope to do more of these episodes. I'm going to try to get this all done in the next 24 hours or so. And so that again is an experiment in and of itself. Um, but just in case that doesn't happen, you know, this episode may be going up late. It may go up on Monday instead of Sunday. Um, but bear with me. We'll see what we come up with and uh, roll with it. In the future, this is where words from our sponsors will go. Today, I kind of want to give a shout out to something that's sort of important to me. Those of you that kind of follow what's been going on know that uh, a I guess I would say friend and a and the lead singer of one of my favorite bands has recently passed away, John Bunch, and uh, he was the lead singer of the band Sensefield. A bunch of his friends and a bunch of other bands are getting together and doing a benefit concert for his son. It happens on March 20th at the Yost Theater in Santa Ana, California. If you are around or nearby or are able to travel, please go to TicketWeb and purchase your tickets. The lineup is freaking amazing. Uh, Sensefield will be performing with guest vocalists, uh, including Zoli Teglis from Ignite, Richie from Into Another, uh, Garrett from Texas The Reason. Texas The Reason is reuniting again to play another set. Game Face is playing. Um, So it's going to be a really great show. So please, if you're a fan of the music or a fan of 
emo, post-hardcore, indie rock in general, definitely check that out. It's for a good cause. For those of you in the know, you may have noticed the title of the podcast is Living Outside. Obviously, that's a shout-out to a sense-filled album. It's their final studio album. And I was already intending to call this podcast that even before the sad news came along about, uh, you know, John Bunch passing. So um, all of this is kind of... It's weird. It's kind of influenced by all of that. Um, but thematically, I found that that kind of works out with the angle I wanted to take on this podcast, which is kind of how people sort of very close to what's going on, but not necessarily involved constantly in what's going on, are affected by or view what's happening with, you know, me trying to barely live the dream. So for this episode, I wanted to step back and get some thoughts from the people that are sort of just outside the orbit of what's going on with me, trying to barely live the dream, but still somewhat caught in the gravitational pull. The first person I went to, of course, the person that made the most sense to go to, uh, would be my oldest friend because he's sort of seen everything develop from the beginning. Domingo Lopez Barragan III. Uh, I guess I've known Mel since uh, like sixth grade, seventh grade. So yeah, so it's been uh, shoot thirty years. Oh shit, man! Shit. It has been that long. Yeah, almost that long. Jesus Christ! Almost. Now Domingo has actually been involved in the filmmaking stuff to some degree as well. He worked as a grip on several of the films. His family were one of the main investors in Closet Space. He did a lot of the poster and graphics work for us on several different projects for several different things, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he's not, just because he has a steady job, like he's not there to sort of travel back and forth out to L.A. like we're constantly doing now. So for the last few years, he's had a little more of an outsider's view on everything. Of course, when, we, when I decided to do this, I realized I had to record his interview at Star Pizza in Houston, Texas, which is basically our second home. Domingo and I have been meeting there for the pizza buffet at least once a week for as long as I can remember. It's kind of like our happy place. Maybe even a second office. This time, instead of nerding out on comics, which is what we usually do when we go meet up there for lunch pizza buffet, although we did set aside 10 minutes or so for Deadpool talk, because each of us had just recently seen it, I decided to grill him about what he recalled regarding the beginning of my film journey. I mean, you were doing videos back in middle school, so... <laughs> but I guess as far as... Uh, so I guess that's where it started. At least the, the seed of it was, and then... Uh, I guess once uh, once we got out of high school, you know, I know you were doing it in high school too, and then uh, seriously, I guess uh, I guess when we hooked up back together again around 2000, that's when I know, you know, you were already doing, you had already worked on Sweet Thing by that time, mm-hmm. and uh, you were going to Austin and stuff like that, doing the, going to the film school out there, so, um, yeah, so I, I would got to say, yeah, since at least 95. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, you've been doing this for a while. Next, in keeping with the overarching theme, I asked Domingo what the big picture of this journey looked like to him after 30 years of watching me go through it. Man, that's an interesting question because I, I never really actually thought about you know it as a whole. Um, I mean, first and foremost, everything, every movie we've done, music video, there's always been a, a hint of... Uh, 
there's always been a hint of horror aspect to it, you know, suspense and stuff like that, and you know, occasional gore. Uh, so I mean, that's that's just a genre we know you love, and you know, man, who doesn't love horror? Um, but as far as the stories go, uh, I guess it's always been, uh, I guess from like, was it uh, Fade to Black? It was kind of like a, almost like a coming of age story for you, or just kind of like, who am I? And I, who am I? Yeah, exactly. For those of you that didn't catch that, that's a reference to the Jackie Chan film. I told you, we're nerds. It's like who you know. It's like you looking for like who you are and stuff like that. So, and uh, I think every movie, a little a little bit of, ha- of that has gone through every movie. Like you're 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 not only trying to tell the story that you know maybe you know you're using somebody else's story or you're using you know a story of your own, but in every story there's always like you know you're trying to tell. It always seems to me that you're trying to tell the audience you know who you are and what you you know. Which, you know, I think I think as far as the director's point of view, I mean that's, you know, it's, it's almost like you're giving up a little bit of your soul every time you t- every time you do a movie. Now let's get back to the Who Am I business. What started off as a one-off joke reference to a kung fu flick led me to start thinking about who I'd become over the last couple of decades of doing this. Had it changed me at all? Had it made me a better person? Had it made me a more bitter person? <laughs> Well, um, I think uh, through the trials and tribulations, it's definitely just enforced some of the. It, it, you, I guess, ever since we were little. I mean, it was always seemed like that you, we, we were always, uh, we were always kind of like an uh, on the outside looking in, and uh, and as I guess as uh, as our world has broadened, you know, you definitely, you know. There's definitely, you know, you're inside now. Like you, you, you have a, you have a good niche, the right amount of people and friends and, and, yeah, friends and you know, coworkers and stuff like that. Just people you've met doing all of this stuff. It's definitely broadening your horizons, and it's definitely, uh, I don't know. It's made you more. It's made you more worldly, definitely. But uh, it just pretty much in highlight the person that you really are which you know you're a hard worker you're you know you care about uh your craft you yeah you know you have a strong amount of pride in what you do and uh you know when you're working with when you're working on the set or when you're working just you know your normal nine to five job which unfortunately sometimes you have to get you know to provide for your family that you have now i mean you're always you know you're always trying to one overcome the adversity and two, just, you know, continue that pride of uh, telling the story or telling, uh, you know, telling the world who you are. So in summation, you know, am I crazy to keep doing this? To keep barely, at least for now, living the dream? Being that, you know, this is something that you know, I know you love and something, I mean, this is not just, it's not just a job. It's, you know, if this was just a job, it would be easy just to walk away to something, walk away. But this is actually, you know, it's a passion. It's a career. It's a lifestyle. And uh, I don't know, from everything that I've seen uh, with you and your family, you know, Melanie, she's, uh, 
you know, she seems to be a great partner for you. I mean, I don't think there's any way you can get as far as you have without her. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> sometimes I think if it wasn't for her, like, maybe you wouldn't be here right now, you know? Because, uh, you know, cause, you know, like you said, there is a lot of passion, and in this is a career. This is, this is who you are, so, you know. Uh, but as far as what I would think, I would, you know, if it was me, you know, with the, you know, being that you do have Melanie with you as a, as a great partner and stuff like that, from what I've seen, um, it, you know, as long as you have her support, I would still go, you know, still keep plugging away because, you, you know, it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, we def- you definitely met, um, you definitely met a bunch of uh, new people that can actually help you in the industry. Uh, you know, you have people like Debbie and Lisa. I mean, they're, you know, you know, they definitely, I guess, kind of confirm what everybody else is, is, uh, what, you know, what, all right, what, uh, what me and my family ever thought, you know, the whole time we've known you is that, you know, hey, you know, you have a, a great imagination and you're a hard worker and, no matter what you do, I mean, you're going to succeed. So, like I said, it's just, I would, if I was you, just keep plugging away. So, yeah, apparently the Star Pizza Buffet leads to some profound conversations. So, one of the things that's just recently happened is that I made a quote-unquote grown-up decision to pass on a pretty cherry film gig. Well, to be fair, I didn't really pass on it. I basically handed it off to Chris, who, of course, you've heard before on this podcast. Speaking of which, I want to send some love out to William. I just got a text from Chris, so he is currently on a set out in Fresno. I actually gave, I wouldn't say I gave him the job, but instead of me taking it, I had other, I had another thing come up, so I put Chris in there, and he's he's about to start, or actually I think they're already shooting, but the movie he's on, Senator Kelly, uh, Bruce Davison is the lead, and we were just sitting here right before we started recording. Uh, nerding out about comics so yeah. should I have gone <laughs> um, with all your circumstances and everything uh, <laughs> yeah I think you should have gone <laughs> yeah damn it Chris you better get that no more mutants thing signed for me in all seriousness giving up that gig ended up opening me up for another gig, one that I had a meeting this week for, and that you'll hear about later, hopefully. So ultimately, everything worked out. So what about my wife, Melanie? She's been obviously my partner through most of this, a co-producer on a lot of the projects. She's been an actress in many of the projects. Obviously, I'd like her to speak on record regarding her thoughts on everything. Now, while you listen to her interview, Remember that we have a three-year-old, so you might hear her in the background, and you might also hear one of her favorite shows, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. It's Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, a land of make-believe. Won't you ride along with me? On the subject of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, I have to confess, I like the show a lot, too. It's probably a nostalgia thing. I am Melanie House. I am Mel House's wife. And what has been your? Mom, what is? Can you what? Yeah, you see, mommy's recording. Mm-hmm. See how the lines are moving when she, when we talk. How does Melanie see it? 
After all, she's essentially the closest to it than anybody could possibly be without being me. The only exception might be Chris, just because he's been actually with me on a lot of these sets and is going through a lot of the actual same things and working the gigs, but obviously Melanie has a perspective on this that no one else really does. Well, I would say uh, after years and years of hard work that Mel has done, I mean, directing, um, producing, ADing, spending his own money, his own time, sacrificing, um, sacrificing pretty much almost everything to this thing called movies. Um, I would say right now we're just hoping that the connections that he's that he's making in Los Angeles are actually going to become fruitful because he's got the creds, he's got the resume, he's got the projects. He's just waiting to get the right, you know, connection from someone that can actually, you know, help him get to that next level, that next step where Upstart Filmworks can be a viable business. So then I was curious to find out what the hardest part was for her as she sees it. Well, I would say just you being unhappy through a lot of it. Um, kind of feeling like you put a whole bunch of work into nothing. Which isn't true, but I mean, you feel that way after a while when... when okay, the spoon's dirty. I would, yeah, just seeing you be uh, super unhappy even though you're... Even when you're working on projects that are like you know movie projects you're still unhappy because you can't just do that you have to come home and like do five or six other jobs or deal with some other bullshit you can't just focus on that one that one thing like I think that's the hardest not being able to move forward and just focus on that one thing even though you're do you Reagan don't sit on that even though you're doing all this, you're making all these connections and you're actually doing all this really good work, you're still not able to actually, you know, make a living at it. I think with any business that would suck, whether it was movies or, I don't know, any kind of business. If you feel like you're putting in the time and the effort and it should just automatically equal success, it doesn't necessarily happen that way. And then I had to ask her, what are things about me that may have changed or come to the forefront as a result of all this that I may have missed because I don't have time to sort of step back and look objectively at how this is affecting me? I think that you have a tendency to, and this isn't, like I'm not blunt, I'm not saying that this isn't, that this doesn't make sense because it does make sense. Anybody would do this, I think. But I think you do reach levels of thinking that people are always trying to do something harmful or or thinking that people are always mindful of how shitty they're being um, when I don't think, I think a lot of the time, well not a lot of the times, but there are some instances where where people are, I don't think, are cognizant and trying to be shitty and you automatically think that they are. But that makes sense to me because 
you've spent the past 10 years of your life trusting in people that have just shit all over it. So I like, I, like I said, you come to it honestly. But if I had to say I noticed things about you that you don't necessarily notice about yourself, you've become, you know, lately the past few years, you know, automatically kind of thinking people are like aggressively trying to be assholes when maybe they are just kind of, you know, egotistically assholey. Sure. Including myself. <laughs> Fair enough. But I still have to say, I respectfully disagree. I mean, that's why I have the list, after all. Then I picked Melanie's brain and wanted to find out what she thought our next steps should be. And as far as making adult choices, doing the right thing, furthering our career and our place in the world as a family with a child. What does she think? Honestly, I'm not sure because I think in the past few years, I've had these definitive come to Jesus talks with you and been like, okay, no, this is what we're going to do. You need to go to LA and work on some projects. And you go to LA, you work on some projects, your car almost falls apart. You come home and you know, the money that you, that you made on those projects is spent and you're still having to try to figure out what you're going to do. So I don't think I have, I, I don't think at this point I have any idea. I think that, I think you have some opportunities that are still calling to you from Los Angeles. So I think that that ultimately is where you need to, you know, where you need to keep focusing. I hate to say that because that means that you go away and it's harder on me. But I don't think that there's any other, you know, you got to just keep plugging away there. And then if it doesn't work out, then you have to regroup and go, okay, well, you know, this isn't working out. And hope that in the meantime while you're trying to work that out some of the stuff that you some of the stuff that you've already put out into the universe which is i mean closet space on up to you know psychic experiment imago or in the blood and then placeholder i mean there's so many things that are out in the ether that could make you some money it's just you know waiting for that to happen is almost it's like chinese water torture Yeah, I'd have to say that's a pretty good analogy. We also talked a little bit about the plagiarism thing that I brought up last episode. Like, you know what I mean? Like we've gone through these kind of like protracted battles. I just, I think that things like that, I mean, and I'm not trying to say that you should just sit back and not fight for what's right, but things like that are hard to win. Yeah. So... It's, I mean, that's really a, it's not really something that I want to have to spend a prolonged amount of my life dealing with, but I will, you know, because it's you. And if that's really what you want to do, great. But at this point, I'm not really sure if that's what I would want you to be focusing on. Yeah. Even though, do I think it's that that's the right decision? Probably not. Like, to be altruistic, it probably would be better to do something about it, but realistically honestly with everything that we've been through and the way that we've seen people just get away with murder i just don't know if i really want to be that warrior person anymore or that you should be that warrior person anymore because i feel like that's just why 
for for better or worse, I feel like that's why you're in this situation, kind of, because, you know, you always kind of were doing what was right to, I mean, you know, you were doing what was right all the time, and everybody else around you was just kind of trying to do what was going to work best for their ego and for them. So I just don't know if I want to watch you have to continue to fight that same battle, you know. Yeah. And I mean, the only, I think the only reason that I'm really, I really even have those thoughts is because... Nothing else is really going your way. Well, and it's like, I really, if I wasn't so attached to the material and other Well, and now if you tried to make that, that's the are thing. you going to look like a dick? Right, exactly. And it's the thing, like, it has worked, it works so well for so many people and I put a lot of myself into it. I just don't want to, like, not do that, but... At the same time, do I want to fight? Is it worth the fight? I, I mean, to be honest, I don't want to fight that fight. I don't want you to have to fight that fight. Because to me, I just look at, at it as another instance where we should just not have trusted that person. We knew better going into the situation. We knew better than to share that information with that particular person. I mean, you know, looking back, yes, 2020, but we knew better. The track record, you know, but we also knew better on psychic experiment. We knew better on closet base. Right. But right. if, well, I think the thing is, like, people you, always outstrip what you expect them to. Like, you expect a certain level. There's a built-in certain level of backstabbiness that's going to happen. But they uh, always manage. They always to, like, take it beyond thunder. Well, yeah, they they get the like the overachievement award in every case. Like, uh -huh. and, and even then, like, I remember we talked about it. I never thought it would get to that to where there was an actual movie that was made. You know, and that it, it's just so weird. But yeah, you know, at the time there was we had no other. We still that's still the only real opportunity we ever got. You know, with that project. Well, I mean, that was ever going to be anything. That's the complicated. Well, and part I just feel that. like in that particular instance, and I wouldn't say this about every everyone, but in that in the in the instance that we're talking about, I think it's going to end up being one of those like George Bush instances where they take it beyond Thunderdome with the wrong person who has more resources. Yeah. Because if he's done it this time, he's going to do it again because he's a fucking hack. Like, yeah. it's going to happen. Do I want it to happen with our blood, sweat, and tears? No, I really don't. Yeah. Do I want you to give up on the project completely? No. Do what you need to do, revamp it, and still stay true and get it done, but, you know. Yeah. Obviously, those are all some really good answers and insight. Some of the stuff I actually knew, some and some I didn't. But the things I didn't know, I at least had an idea. I mean, we talk about this stuff a lot, as you can imagine. We, we have to. It's a huge part of our lives. It all speaks to what Domingo mentioned earlier, that Melanie is a valuable partner to have on this type of journey. However, when I hear similar sort of things done on other podcasts or shows or behind the scenes or whatever... The prevailing narrative always becomes, wow, your wife or partner or significant other or life partner or whatever, sounds like she really knows what's up. Maybe she should run the company because it always sounds like that person speaking from hindsight has all the answers. And what we're leaving out is, you know, all the conversations that we've actually had. And we're also speaking from a place of like, you know, kind of cynicism and bitterness now too. So... I think that sometimes the the story gets a little twisted there. You know, I actually listened to a podcast just recently 
where they did the exact same thing. It's like they had the person's significant other on and it made the person running the company look like a real idiot. Maybe I am an idiot. But I want to be real and advocate for the devil a little bit. There are several decisions that Melanie thought were bad ideas that actually ended up working out very well. And it's a lot of the stuff that we're seeing the fruits of now. Clinger, she really didn't want me to get involved with because at the time we didn't know those guys. You know, look at our track record and what she said about people kind of violating our trust. This was one of the first groups of people that didn't. So it actually did work out, but it was a gamble. Uh, Imago almost didn't happen because we were at a point where it, it seemed like a bad idea, maybe. Um, but fortunately, now that's kind of turning around. Uh, we mentioned on, I think, last episode that she didn't want me to go out and work on Britney's movie because, again, it was an unknown quantity. This is another person that could probably come in and violate our trust, but that actually worked out. I just want to be clear that there are some things that have, that have worked out very well. I'm not saying all this to indict her decisions. The point I'm trying to get across is this stuff is hard and there really is no clear answer sometimes as to what you're going to do, what you're supposed to do or what you need to do. However, I do know that whatever way I choose to go and whatever decisions I make within reason that I will have Melanie's full support once I make that decision. Like making another movie, like moving to LA part-time, like being gone for most of the winter holidays to work on a film about killer twin girls. Come and play with us, Daddy. I think I made the right choice in giving the blankety-blank job to Chris and not going to make a movie with Senator Kelly. Yeah, I think that was fine. I don't think it. I don't think it's a deal breaker in any sense of the word. I mean, I mean, you can say "what if" every day for every minute of your life, but I don't think that you did any damage to yourself by not going for this one project. Um. You know, I think you, I think you made the right choice. Because okay. you can't, until you get to a certain level, you can't, you you can't realistically drop everything, um, and go. You know, I mean, they, you know, you found out about that project like two days before you were going to fly out. I mean, you're not a, a 25 year old single man. I mean, it's that's not. That's not feasible. Like you're gonna have, it's just gonna have to work it out to be a little bit different. Yeah. And I think that this situation, actually, with the timing of certain things that have happened recently, so I, you know, I I think it was meant for for him anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. So final thing, and just. Speaking of like the movie stuff and everything we just talked about, if we could travel back in time to our, oh God. if you could, if we could go back or you could go back to our wedding day, or somewhere around there, oh no, and just, like like basically like or, or before that I guess because we'd already done part of witchcraft by then, if like right when we were getting started, if you could impart, I guess just like one piece of advice to us back then, what would it be? Stop spending your own money. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly what I would say, too. Bobby. I was totally going to give you the Gene Simmons answer. Yeah. <laughs> I think Gene Simmons would be proud. Thank you, honey. 
So we've talked about Chris a lot and the movie gig that he kind of just inherited from me recently. How was that going? I decided to check in with him. Do, 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 calling Chris on speaker. Hey, what's up? I'm cheating. What's going on? Hey, what's up? I was hoping you wouldn't answer your phone. I was waiting for it to go to voicemail so I could do a bit. Oh, uh, okay. Well, just, just call me back. Well, while I have you, just in one quick sentence, how are things going? Yeah. Yeah? So we'll talk about it on a later podcast, right? Probably, yeah. Okay, cool. Good luck today. Break a leg or whatever okay. the hell. Also, ask okay. Denise uh, how she played Tasha Yar differently from the alternate timeline. Oh, my God. She's not even here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. All right, bye. So that's pretty much what our lives are right now. We can make these crazy inside baseball, super referential jokes with people that we work with or know personally. And almost every day is like that now. So I guess we shouldn't be complaining too much. It is pretty cool. Uh, now, I actually have talked to Chris off the record several times since he's been on set, and he's let me know how things are going. It does sound like it's a challenging shoot, but it also sounds like he got there and really sort of turned things around and put things on track, and a lot of the people involved are very appreciative of what he's doing. So, uh, while he may sound stressed out now, I can tell that uh, he's having a successful run out there. And hopefully that continues for all of us. So last but not least, I wanted to get some input from one more person that's been, you know, sort of close to all this as it's been going on. My three-year-old. I want to record something. Okay, what do you want to record? Uh, I have a YouTube video. What? Go slow. First of all, let's start. Let's start with your name. What's your name? Uh, Megan. I don't want to have that. No? You don't want to do that? I want to do that. Do you know? Hey, what's that? Those are the microphones. Those are my microphones. Yeah, you can't. Don't touch them though, because they make it makes a loud noise when you touch them. You just talk into them. I don't want to touch them. <laughs> do you know what Daddy does for work? Yes. What do I do? Um, he he does you know, um, he does start that. I, I just start this thing? Yes. What about, does Daddy go and make movies? Um. In California? Yes, California. Yeah? Do you miss Daddy when he's gone making movies in California? Yes. that about wraps it up for this episode of Barely Living the Dream. Thanks again for entertaining my experiments as I kind of find an identity for the podcast or find different identities for the podcast, just depending on what's going on. Uh, we This week, Brittany and I are recording another episode, so next week it will be more of kind of back to the older format, but I definitely want to do more of these sort of more produced podcasts because I think they're pretty fun. Uh, just a few shout outs I'd like to make. First of all, Will Barrett thank you for hooking me up with that gig and via that hooking Chris up with that gig we really appreciate it and it means a lot that someone of your stature and caliber has vouched for us thank you sir Jason Miller same for you for the other gig that I can't talk about yet 
but uh, I appreciate that, bro. Um, Alicia Lowrim, same deal for that other gig that I can't talk about yet. Today's podcast was edited uh, by yours truly, by me. Thanks to Domingo Betagon and Melanie House and Reagan House for being on the podcast with me and for letting me interview them. Thank you to Chris Warren for letting me pick his brain while he's stressing out on set. The music in the beginning was a compilation of Sensefield songs. Please check them out if you haven't. They're a great band and one of my favorites. The X-Men theme was done by Ron Wasserman. I love that music. Uh, that is one of my, uh, that intro pops in my head all the time. I love that riff. If I had maintained my MMA training from when I started, like back in like 96, when I first moved back to Houston and was a cage fighter now, that would probably be my intro theme. The X-Men theme from the 90s. If not that, probably helmets in the meantime, but more than likely the X-Men theme from the 90s. So people ask me about this all the time, and I guess I've never given an, an official credit. The actual Barely Living the Dream theme song was also recorded by me. It's the same theme song as Placeholders, but an instrumental version, obviously. That stuff, if you if you like it or are interested in downloading it, you can find it on SoundCloud as well. Thanks again to all that are listening. Please make sure to share, like, rate, comment, and all those things, and we will talk to you next week.